If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 157 of Confessions of a Marketer, Client Success. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Ian Preston, Chief Client Success Officer for EMEA at Wonderman Thompson, is in for a chat. We'll get to that in a moment. Next time, we have Naomi Liu on marketing operations and soon Travis Chambers, Naira Perez, Marty McDonald, and Nicholas Vandenberg. They're all on the docket, and we've got a fun few months ahead of us. As always, stay with us. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. Okay, on to Ian Preston. We talked as COVID was making headlines. We had client success and modern marketing as the focus of the discussion, but we started off talking about the dot-com boom and bust of 20 years ago, which I was deeply embedded in, and how empathy is so important in this global health crisis, plus how your life outside of work is so important, and we're all human. Plus, we do cover the needs of the modern marketer, how to consider the customer experience, collaboration inside of WPP, and of course, his role in ensuring customer success. And we close with the discussion about how Wonderman Thompson has been working with brands during the COVID-19 crisis. This was a great, enlightening discussion. I think you'll enjoy it. So let's get to it. Ian, it's great to have you on Confessions of a Marketer. Welcome. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Can you share your background and what your current role is at Wonderman Thompson? Sure, absolutely. So um, unfortunately, I've reached that category now where I'm referred to as an industry veteran, which I think is that <laughs> um, loose, loosely polite phrase of saying I'm getting old. But uh, <laughs> I've been around uh, 20 years in the uh, in the marketing communications industry, uh, started out back in the kind of startup agency world in the early 2000s. And uh, most recently, I've been working uh, in a series of uh, larger network roles between networks such as Publicis and uh, IPG RGA. And then I recently joined WPP and the Wonderman Thompson Network in a newly formed role and function as the um, client, uh, chief client success officer for EMEA. 
Yeah, yeah. What was uh, the turn of the century like in the ad business? Oh, the Wild West. <laughs> I think <laughs> I entered the industry right at the point where the bubble was bursting in around 2000, unfortunately. So we had all these tales of promise and the idea that, you know, coding was going to be something that we'd make $1,000 an hour out of every day of the week kind of thing. And then all right. of a sudden the bubble burst. And uh, you find yourself in a small shop with four colleagues in Leeds, desperately hustling up. <laughs> so I think uh, you know that that promise of mana from heaven of the uh, of the dot com era wasn't really that uh, prophetic for me, to be honest. But then um, I think what it did teach you at those times was be, it was to be you know fleet of foot and what we'd all call agile now in today's parlance. You know, I moved to London from Leeds in two thousand and one and uh, set up our agency uh, uh, presence in London and ran that for four years. And of course, you know, having to do that, you know, being a smaller Northern agency uh, and then, you know, kind of establishing ourselves in London uh, and winning some big clients at that point in time was, you know, a real learning exercise. I think that always stayed with me, that that need to be, you know, to hustle, to be agile and to be super client focused. I think, the, you know, the biggest wins for us during that period came through differentiation and being very present and visible inside our clients. And I think that's a value that, that I've always, you know, wanted to keep with me right the way through my, my, my working career. And it's, it's a useful experience to have, right? So you, you made it through that downturn, you made it through the financial crisis of mm-hmm. 12 years ago, and here we are in another one, you know, and it's, it's, it's helpful to have hardship in your past when you're in this business, don't you think? No, I think it does. And I think it also means that you, you know, you have a good degree of empathy for, you know, the people that you've encountered along the road, you know, through those different, you know, you know, call them crises, call them, call them, you know, um, you know, experiences. But I think, you know, I think what's been really important to me is, you know, the proximity to clients and colleagues through any of that. And, you know, being empathetic to the change that's undergoing in their lives. I mean, if you look at, you know, today's situation with with COVID, I don't think that anybody could have expected, frankly, the humanity that we've seen, you know, and so apparent. And and for me, I think that's been really, really striking, particularly through this period, in contrast to, say, some some of the financial crises that we've experienced in recent years. You know, I think it's just an incredibly, you know, humbling experience in many respects. You know, just to reflect personally, I've got my my parents I isolated very early on in this process because my mum's in her mid-80s, my dad's got COPD, and I obviously travelled a lot with work. I was in Milan, in fact, right before the city lockdown took place. So I took the decision in early Feb just to make sure that we as a family were going to be completely separated. My parents were going to be, you know, isolating themselves. And they moved to a new area and had a, a new set of neighbours, people they didn't know, people we didn't know. And I was very worried, frankly, that they were, you know, how they were going to take care of themselves. I was trying to get them to use online ordering and different things like that. And literally, you know, their, their nearest neighbours have completely just taken themselves into their lives at a socially distanced capacity and, you know, yeah. bringing them food, making sure they're looked after, emailing us with updates out of the blue. So I just think, and I think that's pervasive, right? And I think you see that in brands as well, you know, in the brands that we're working with, the pivot that we've made in in the engagements that we've had with those brands has been, you know, overnight, literally, you know, the focus and our need to be completely focused around, you know, what it means for their customers to be going through these these processes at the moment, 
you know, because of the services and, and breadth of service that we offer at Wonderman Thompson, it means that we touch businesses in very, very different ways. So while on the one hand, clients may be saying, well, we don't want to do, you know, TVCs at the moment, or we need to cut back on certain other areas of advertising, because of our relationship in other areas of those businesses, they'll be even more reliant on us making sure that we're helping them make the right decisions about, say, you know, technology service provision or ensuring that they're getting, you know, the right type of communications out to customers to give them the best elements of service around, you know, critical household items that they might need or, or things like that. So I think, you know, again, that, that ability to have a real human focus at this time and understand where as a partner we can, you know, we can appropriate ourselves best, I think is is really important. Yeah, it is too bad that it takes something like this for people to realize that, you know, everybody's a human being and we are, we're all, you know, the humanity uh, is out there and, and you see kindness every day now. Yeah, you do. And like you say, it's it's unfortunate that some of these events come along to, to I guess remind you of that. But on the on the flip side of that, maybe at times we we do need events like this to to give us a bit of a reset moment as well about mm-hmm. you know, what's important, but also our, our role and our purpose. You know, I think purpose has been banded around in marketing, especially, you know, in the past few years. And I think there's a lot of um I think there's a lot to be lauded about that. And I think it's important. But I really think at times like this, um, it gives rise to us really understanding what what purpose means. And then also, as we come out of this period, the, the fact that purpose doesn't always mean something that's you know, necessarily benevolent in many respects, right? I think, you know, purpose is about being, about being positive, purpose about, you know, um, you know, helping people, you know, succeed and, you know, and strive for, you know, for new opportunity is, is going to be equally important to helping people in a more benevolent fashion or helping certain types of purpose there. So I think coming through this, Brands are really going to find new ways that they have examined their own existence, frankly, and will find new ways to be resonant in in culture and with people um, going forward. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little a little more about COVID nineteen when we close this out, but I want to zero in on your focus, and I want you to tell me what the needs are of the modern marketer. Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think you know, on a on a spectrum of marketing history, if you like, I don't think the needs of the modern marketer could be defined as any less complex than ever the, than they've ever been, right? I think yeah. the nature of modern marketing is so multifaceted now that modern marketers, in the truest sense of things, are some of the most capable that we've ever seen. And so I think in terms of their expectations, I think they're the highest they've ever been in many respects. You know, it's certainly my firsthand experience of the people that that I deal with both on a daily basis at our clients and inside our our organization. More than ever, you have to strive uh, to be be better all of the time. Um, And so I think, you know, inside, you know, clients' businesses, you know, they're looking for great talent. They're looking to inspire, you know, new thinking as well. And I think, you know, that that in itself creates a tremendous environment for, um, you know, for, for great for great things to happen and great work to happen. But also, you know, a very high sense of expectation about everything you're doing. Um, I think you've also got a case of, you know, whilst, you know, whilst clients and brands are very well equipped now, um, it's we're still at this kind of tipping point of, you know, integration of communications, creativity and technology. And for me, 
you know, the conflation of all of those, you know, all of those topics is where some of the, you know, some of the best communications and best branding is taking place right now. And that's not easy, you know, because it doesn't rely on, well, in a perfect world, it will rely on a unicorn type person who can just arrive at all of those things single-handedly, but that just isn't the truth. And that's not the case. So we have to create environments, you know, inside our clients, alongside our clients that essentially create these kind of unicorn-like shapes of, of teams you know, who can deliver on, on amazing integrated communications. And I think that's the kind of, that's the, that's the peak end of things. That's the Nirvana state that we're all, that we're all working together to strive for, I think. Yeah. So you are the chief client success officer for EMEA at Wonderman Thompson. And so I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it important to keep the customer experience top of mind when you're formulating plans? Yeah, I think so. And I think more than ever, brands are understanding that, you know, the way that they show up and what they say to people versus what they do and how they act in the broadest possible sense is more important than ever because it's more transparent than ever, right? And I think brands are more and more held to account, not just for the things that they say, but the things that they do. So I think for us in Wonderman Thompson, I think CX and customer experience, you'll find those techniques and capabilities, be it service design blueprints, be it CX mapping or any of those tools and techniques from design thinking that you might come across, you'll find them equipped in such a diverse range of projects and of client engagement. So that could be a technology project, that could be something integrating with our media teams and broader WPP or other partners, you know, or it could be, you know, in a brand campaign, you know, it's it's not the case anymore that you can ignore the fact that a message when you put it out just has to be impactful because it's you know aired on TV or it's or it's landed a few you know clicks online you know it has to be about the downstream impact of that and what it's representing for the overall brand and we have to help our clients in in understanding that interconnectivity of those messages now i think there's also an internal imperative there as well because Inside clients' organizations, they're having to rethink how their operating model and their organization design reflects the evolving needs of customers. So unless we can help have a holistic view of customer experience, then we're only helping perpetuate, you know, a siloed way of of looking at the components that do make up a, a you know a holistic experience. So you know, we have to, you know, we have a responsibility as a brand given, you know, what I said before, Mark, about the the diversity of capability and the diverse places that we touch a client's brand and their and their customer experiences. You know, we have a responsibility to making sure that we provide that holistic view, you know, wherever possible. Yeah. I always think of agencies and great agencies like Wonderman Thompson as idea factories, as especially with now the combination of Wonderman and Thompson, that you get great data and great creative and they combine to create ideas. So how do you think the best ideas bubble up through an organization to the client? And is there an interplay between the client and the agency? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have a kind of hypothesis about this, which, you know, well, it's not just mine, but I'm sure there's other people who think the same way around this, which is, you know, on the topic of what I call organized serendipity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in large organizations, and look, let's face it, you know, we're a large organization, but we're made up of, you know, very diverse components within that. And I think in those types of organization, which I broadly think reflects, you know, large, you know the larger client needs as well, 
know, there's a need to have systematic ways of bringing together, you know, diverse minds to crack winning formulas for marketing. And I don't think we can expect anymore that it, that's just going to happen or it's going to happen in one department or one place. So we have to help organize ourselves to create those moments of serendipity and create those moments of, of brilliance. It, it can't just be happenstance all the time. I think what's really impressed me again, you know, being very recently joined in Wonderman Thompson, you know, six months now, I think what really impressed me on arrival and actually coming out know, in early conversations was the framework that they've developed or we've developed called Collision. And, you know, it's a methodology that's been honed over a variety of brand and, and general business challenges, actually, which helps us facilitate workshops, create new ideas, and most importantly, pilot them and get them into action in clients very, very quickly. And I think what's really impressed me about that is, you know, the way that the organization has systematically, again, gone out to clients, evolved this kind of toolbox of capabilities and thought about, you know, in, in great detail, how you bring talent from technology, from data, from outside uh, partners and the clients themselves and create these kind of creative and, and innovation processes, but with a very strong sense of purpose that this has to be something we can prove the impact of. It's something that we have to be able to land in customers' hands in a, in a, in a, in a way that they can appreciate and understand. And it's something, most importantly, that can be operationalized, it can land in a business. It's not just a lab-style thing that you know, looks cool but can't make an impact on the day-to-day -day business. So I think collision for us has been our way of unlocking you know, a lot of unexpected value in our client relationships through you know essentially organized serendipity yeah that's a wonderful concept isn't that it's almost like chuck close the artist who said that you know inspiration is for amateurs the rest of us just get to work and and <laughs> in, in order to have serendipity you have to be working at it Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I think one of the quotes I like, I'm not sure who it came from, though, so I'm not as gender up as you, but in engineering terms, people talk about hard points in engineering, right? Yeah. And I think some of the best creative processes and creative outcomes come from environments where you have hard points, right? And I think that's where a process like Collision is brilliant because what it brings you is both, you know, hard points and using the engineering sense of things of, you know, be that elements of the customer experience that you just can't compromise on anymore, for example, and bringing that into sharp focus. Or it might be organization design hard points. So actually provoking us to consider, well, the reasons why a particular customer operation is the way it is or a customer experience is the way it is. Now, that may be referred to as a hard point. It's something that is immovable. And yet, from a customer perspective, you know, it's something that we need to address. So I think hard points work in both ways, um, to use that engineering analogy, on the one hand, to help guide us to give constraints, but to provide you know, the right territory for creativity to take place. On the flip side of that, you know, the identification of perceived hard points that you know, we need to do more than navigate inside of, actually, we need to break them down and we need to find other ways around them. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's again, it's a really fertile ground for, you know, different types of creativity to delivering different outcomes. And to give you a couple of examples, we've done, you know, it, these collision workshops with, say, clients in pharma, where the ingoing challenge might have looked like a communications problem, but the outgoing solution turns out to be an integrated product design. You look at another business in terms of a media business who engage with us with a very broad challenge about, you know, monetization in their business. 
And that actually ended up in being a pilot of a new business model for them. So the diversity and the breadth of challenge that can come into a process like that without determining an outcome at the very beginning is crucially important. And I think clients are feeling more and more value from, you know, from businesses such as ourselves in helping them navigate quite broad challenges in that way. Yeah. So you're new at WPP and Wonderman Thompson, so maybe you don't have much to compare it with, but WPP is more integrated than it has been in the past. It's always been a kind of dispersed organization with lots of independent operating companies. And recently, Mark Reed has, uh, my namesake, Mark Reed, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, we, do get, we do get confused occasionally. It's become more integrated. And does that change the dynamic inside Wonderman Thompson? Do you collaborate and work with other agencies outside of Wonderman Thompson? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that really struck me when I was joining Wonderman Thompson was actually the open nature of the business to collaboration. And that's not just within our own organization, because frankly, you know, we've got, as we you know, as I mentioned before, you know, a large and, and complex organization by the nature of the diversity of talent and and skills that we have. So, you know, navigating the depth of those things within our business has taken a lot of rigor to build out collaboration, to build out consistent tools, consistent methodologies to be able to do that. Now you extrapolate that out to WPP and you're right, I think, you know, both the structure and the way the setup of the organization was a few years ago maybe restricted some of that. I think both inspired by Mark's leadership and, you know, how that set out a change in the organization's governance has meant that open access to talent and capability is, you know, much more effective than it ever has been. You know, and I think I spend probably, you know, coming into the business now, I would say about half of my time at least on what I would call broader WPP engagement activities. So that could be new business working alongside other WPP agencies, or that might be in terms of our client organizations. So although we have, you know, obviously large client organization uh, teams in terms of global client leads and so on within the Wonderman Thompson organization, we're obviously big parts of broader WPP teams. You know, there's something like 55 plus large scale global account teams around the world. And Wonderman Thompson has a significant part in a number of those. And ostensibly, you look at those global teams and, you know, on paper, at first glance, you might go, okay, there's some mix of agencies here that, you know, obviously complement one another very easily, be that media and, and our side of things and, you know, other, and other things. And there's other ones where they overlap. You kind of go, well, would these not be competitive relationships? You know, would there not be challenges in that regard? And I think, you know, the organization's really matured to know that actually the more client focused we are, and the better we are organizing ourselves to deploy the talent wherever it exists at the service of our clients, the more successful we're going to be overall. And I think that's the whole mantra within the client success community and the client success organization that we're building in Wonderman Thompson, EMEA, is all driven around this concept of client success. No matter what dimension that takes, our obligation is to find the right way of understanding the customer experience, of understanding how our client's organization needs to develop and evolve to meet those needs and to you know, to drive the greatest possible impact that we can. So I've been really impressed with the fact that for me joining this business, it's been easier than ever to you know access talent, to to have the right types of conversation and be really met with a very consistent, positive nature about doing the right thing for clients. Oh, that's great. So let's talk about client success. What's your approach to it? What is the gospel that you're spreading at Wonderman Thompson about, <laughs> about client success? feels like I should be wearing a, a dog collar or a habit or something right now when you say gospel, right? 
<laughs> I was, I'm a bit of um, a geek when it comes to this stuff, to be honest. And I think what it was is I was really intrigued by the idea of client success from the concept of customer success championed by, you know, the big technology companies, the Salesforce, the Adobe's and so on in the late 2000s, right? And their observation that as big platform businesses, it wasn't sufficient to be able to just sell licenses anymore and and expect you know the customers who bought those licenses to deploy those and win frankly and you know and have successful uh, customer experiences and i think it was a very astute decision to introduce customer success as a function to then consider, well, actually, how are these platforms deployed? What are they doing? Are they really as good as they could be and should be? And not end the engagement at the point where a license was, you know, deployed to a client and put, you know, and, and activated on a server. So I think thinking about that model and, you know, there's been a few kind of thought leadership pieces done around the topic of broadening that concept, but I hadn't really seen a business and particular services type business outside of technology really wrap their arms around it. So when I was joining, I, I was talking with uh, Ewan Sturgeon, our Amir CEO, about this concept. And you know, I, I explained to him that I thought my lens on this was really that if we look at our business through the same lens and think about client success as a kind of guiding principle, then what would that add up to? And at a very operational level, I think there's a few key things to note. One is the conflation of growth functions and the client uh, leadership functions, because I think both capabilities need to be pointed at client success, right? They need to be pointed at things that in the outcomes that we deliver, you know, we are as brilliant as we possibly can be. And so actually by bringing those groups together, I think we get the best of both worlds. You get, you know, great agility and tenacity out of growth teams to be able to deploy things at speed and really get under the hood of briefs, you know, within hours and days like nothing else. And if you look at the scale of global client relationships, you need a great deal of rigor and a long term view in those communities of leaders to work alongside our clients to think about that perspective. So I think when you bring those capabilities together, you get a very fertile ground uh, for creating agile teams who are very able to think about the long game from the very outset of an engagement, be that a new business engagement or be that you know, via our you know, coordinated planning with our clients or through collision workshops that we talked about. You know, we find ways to completely center ourselves around these objectives of client success. I guess the, the other element to that then is, well, you know, on a practical basis, what does that mean about how we measure ourselves? So I think we're moving much more towards models where we're having open conversations not just about you know the performance of say creative and media and so on from a views and from how that reaches the customer but the downstream impact of you know what that actually does to increase and improve business impact within clients so we have a number of examples where we're deploying dashboards now with clients where it's not only monitoring the effectiveness of you know the placement of any of that creativity but the outcome right down to you know sales right down to brand metrics and so we're becoming increasingly able to deploy those capabilities. And it, again, it changes the nature of the conversation with our clients. You know, it moves from kind of siloed conversation about one part of things to a real appreciation of the impact over the customer experience, as we talked about before, Mark. You know, you know we have to be the guardians and, and responsible for a holistic view of customer experience because we touch so many parts of that across our group. So I think, I think client success for me is, you know, really our way of just, you know, giving that a sharper focus and also, you know, 
building a very inclusive community of people from around our group to champion that idea and champion its values. We've gone out to these teams and talked about two core values, really, this sense of connectors and catalysts. So, you know, this mentality that the best thing that we can possibly do wherever it lies is connect to talent and find it and deploy it at the service of clients. And then the concept of catalysts. So in our teams, you find, you know, very, t- you term T-shaped people. So hybrid people who can really understand technology, data, creativity, and, and really help our clients navigate those things. But, you know, have the humility in the same way as we all should, you know, have that humility to know that you can't be, a depth of expert in every possible domain. And what you need to do is be a great connector, but you need to be the great catalyst that understands how to distill that client challenge, how to understand what success looks like, and then coordinate and collate all the all the different various parts, you know, to build a very quick and agile solution for our clients. And the world is increasingly complex. There's Brexit, and uh, we've got COVID-19, which doesn't show any sign of abating anytime soon. I'm interested, how have you been working with brands to support them through this and then help them support their customers? Right. It's a great question, Mark. And I think, you know, the real shift for us has been how we very quickly adapt and change behavior, you know, on behalf of our clients. Because on the one hand, clearly under these conditions, you know, clients need to make tough decisions about how, you know, how and where they spend. They have to make decisions about the type of message that they put out. Um, so again, we need to be, you know, a positive partner with them in in understanding what you know what decisions we help them make, but then also the tone and the appropriate behaviour that we need to express to customers. So you know that might be in the case of uh, some of our CPG clients actually changing our advertising messages to be public service messages, right? You know, making sure that people are observing, you know, the right techniques for um, you know sanitation and so on. You know, that might be, you know, changing actually our technology and infrastructure capabilities. So ensuring that we are able to give the requisite uptime for the, you know, for the critical systems that we provide our retail or online retail businesses, where they're actually needing to get household goods to people um, that are absolutely essential, right? Especially for people who are isolating at the moment. So how we help those brands, you know, look at prioritization, how we look at them qualifying and stratifying certain types of customers to know who at-risk groups are and how to get the right products to them in a timely fashion. So I think it's with that, again, back to that topic of uh, the client success mantra here, it's very much about, you know, the client success in this case is about servicing their customers in the most appropriate way possible, most effective way possible, and, you know, frankly, just doing the right thing. And, you know, that's something that we we take, you know, a great amount of responsibility and a great amount of pride in because ultimately we all, all have to put our people first. You know, the people inside our businesses, the people outside of our businesses and those who are served by our clients, you know, we we absolutely have a have an obligation to put them first. And so everything that we have to do is is tuned to, to that objective. How has the dynamic changed now that you can't really have face-to-face meetings and that everybody's working from home or, you know, a remote location? Has that changed the dynamic or is it pretty much the same? You know, I think it has changed. And I think change is, a, you know, this type of event is a really good catalyst for longer term change as well. And I think on the change front, you know, that can be, I, strangely enough, although we're not together, I think there's some 
more humanizing dimensions that have come out of this situation. And it can be small things like all of a sudden we're seeing the inside of people's homes more. Um, So our teams, you know, in different locations have been doing things like cribs, like a bit like empty cribs, right? So they've been doing tours (laughs) on an afternoon of people's places and stuff like that and getting a view into things. You know, you've got the all of us who've got kids in our house have had you know, the kids barging in at some point and, you know, tearing in naked or, you know, whatever, jumping right. around over you while you're in the middle of a conference call. We were doing some training with our MENA regions a couple of weeks back and my four-year-old crept in and I ended up doing about 15 minutes of it with him sat on my lap. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you get a really human view of people. And I think that's really important. And actually, when we do go back to being in a physical environment together, I think actually a lot of us will take a great deal of that away with us. You know, I think in a practical sense, of course, there's challenges, right? You know, I think all of us have had the moments of the Wi-Fi going down at the the very wrong minute, you know, an audio connection not connecting on a pitch and things like that. And of course, that's that's massively frustrating. That adds to a stress that you wouldn't ordinarily have, either being in an office or knowing that there isn't everybody on your street on the internet at the same time, all of the time right now, you know. The resilience of the network is is brilliant, frankly, but it can only go so far, you know, all the time. So I think there's some very practical things in terms of you know, people's expectations, meeting etiquette, really getting to grips with the tools that, you know, we all use, but to use them, you know, to use the term in anger and really, really stress test the use of tools, I think, um, I think it's an, another dimension that I think all of us have learned from. And I think, you know, the whole concept around remote working, I mean, I, as, as I mentioned before, I, you know, I spend a lot of my time in different offices and in different uh, markets and locations. And right now, I'm much more reliant on Obviously, the remote working tools that we that we used before, but you know, actually, the, the depth with which we use them now is greater than ever. And I think you see that in all organisations. I think how much more conversant and how much more accepting we are of this approach to collaboration is going to be really interesting. It's fascinating, actually, Mark, because I know we've talked about collision already, but collision, on the one hand, when you see it, is you talk to clients and the thing that really resonates with them is the physical nature of it, right? It's, you know, large CX maps, big collaborative workshops, breaking out into different rooms to do different things, actually going to different sites in many cases and spreading some of those pieces across different weeks. And we've actually had to kind of refactor the toolbox of Collision to be run remotely. So we've been running a number of these across various different locations in in EMEA and, and beyond. And, you know, now, you know, using tools like Miro boards instead. So actually having virtual walls of you know, almost like scrapbooking virtually and then thinking about how we adapt our exercises to build chemistry with, frankly, with with people we've never met, right? You know, so, you know, we could be doing pitch meetings. We could be doing chemistry with teams that we we haven't met before. We could indeed be working with people who are very accustomed to working in a very physical fashion and having to adapt and change to, you know, this remote activity and helping, you know, all of us train on on tools, especially the kind side maybe they weren't, wouldn't be so familiar with. So I think that's been a, a fascinating experience. And I think we'll all, you know, in a positive sense, I think we'll take things away from this set of circumstances that will actually change us, you know, for the good overall in terms of how we behave around work. Yeah, yeah. To say nothing of the whole humanity thing that we talked about earlier, just using these tools to become productive when when you're not in the physical office is, in a way, it's it's kind of revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in an organization like ours, we, we'd always say that we'd be early adopters of those things 
you know, any way. But it's, I think it's, it is the prevalence and it being now, it should be a first port of call rather than a fallback. And I think that is going to really, really change, you know, the way we organize ourselves. And, and I think also, you know, as to a degree, uh, our clients' expectations of certain things as well. I think, you know, our agency environments and our business environments have been so important over the years. And I don't think that should go away. But I think how we decide to use the time that we have in physical locations will become, I think, more progressive is probably a good term. I think you know it's very valuable to have human contact. And I'm a person who really relies on it, frankly, you know, and being with my teams and being amongst uh, our clients and so on. But I also believe that there is some real value in thinking about you know, more systematic tools and services that we actually use when we are together, that perhaps today we don't go into the depths of doing that because we take for granted that we can be in one place. And so I think actually there's going to be a greater degree of efficiency that we take out of this when we do have physical contact again, when we are in, in one another's company. And I think by default, I think we'll also then spend a bit more time working remotely, finding moments where we just want to um, be in a different place because, you know, you know, many people will find that more efficient now. Yeah. Well, it's always interesting, I think, when I talk to someone in your business, I talk to creatives, I talk to people who, you know, know data, but I always love talking to a client advocate and I really appreciate your perspective. It was great to have you on. Mark, great to talk to you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Cheers. Thanks so much. All right, next time, my old friend and colleague, Naomi Liu, on marketing operations. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.